Luke 14. Verses 28 through 33. And since we had a great Easter service drama presentation, um, I know now if you're not listening to the message and you're not paying attention, I know the personality I can call on. To <laughs> chapter 14, and after I finish reading this, I'm going to give you a quiz on last, the last message I preached on stewardship. So Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? That's that's a very uh, interesting question, isn't it? How many people would like to build and don't even try to figure out what it's going to take? Well, let's keep going. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with ten thousand men to oppose the one coming against him with twenty thousand? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. The message for today is you must have a plan for your financial life. Amen? You must have a plan for your financial life. As you know, this whole month we're doing stewardship. And I started, so I'm going to quiz you on what I did for you the first week. Uh, The first week we went on the biblical basis for financial management. The biblical basis for financial management. Today we're going to talk about having a plan for your life. Amen. Are you with me? Okay, so uh, the first question is, What is the biblical basis for financial management? Yes. That God owns everything. That That is a principle. But what is the basis? What is the basis? Okay, let's try Mary Ellen. Total Total commitment to God. That is another foundation. 
what is the basis? What is the basis for financial management for a Christian? What is the basis for financial management for a Christian? Uh, Reggie? The Bible? Is that with a question? Okay. Now say it with... with okay, the Bible. Uh, were you going to say the same thing? No? What were you going to say? Okay. All right. Good. So, uh, Reggie, you want to come up? Actually, I don't know if I have anything to give you or not. Jelly beans? Okay, I'll give you this. All right. Since we're doing financial management. So, the basis for financial management for a Christian is not the way you're feeling. It's not your philosophy. It's not what seems right. The basis for your financial management, for your stewardship in your life as a Christian is the Bible. The Bible is what directs you as to how you plan your financial future. If you don't get that, you are going to mess up. Because you will follow the way that the world thinks about money. And the world thinks about resources. And you will guide your way according to the world. And that, according to the Bible, is the way that leads to destruction. Your basis is the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation. Amen? Amen. That is the basis. That is the way we manage our money. That is the way we manage everything that God has given to us. Is through the word. The word of God. Practically everything you need is in here. If it's not in here, you don't need it. That's very important. The financial, the biblical basis for financial management, the biblical basis for stewardship, the Christian foundation for stewardship. Now, let's look at some things from last message. What are some of the things... That I said in my message, now as a Christian, you know you have to go by the word, right? What are those things in the word that have to guide you, the principles in the word of God that you follow as a Christian to manage what God has given to you? Remember now, today we're focusing on money. We're focusing on really nitty-gritty things, the, the really important things in finances, and we're going to deal with them as we get to the But, generally speaking, you have to have this foundation to manage what God has given to you. And that includes your children, includes your husband, includes your wife, includes your house, includes uh, your car, includes all those things, includes your time. Includes your spiritual gifts. 
But what we're talking about today is specifically money. Money and how to set up for the rest of your life. But let's look at the principles that the Christian should use in managing everything that God has given to you. And I mentioned several last time. Can anyone tell me one? Yes. Total commitment to God as the owner. Where did we get that from? From the Bible. What passage? Psalm 24 and verse 1. What does it say? The earth is the Lord's. Okay. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's maybe King James. I don't know. The world and those who dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. The world belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. Whatever you have, there is absolutely nothing that you have that does not belong to God. Whether you think of it or not. It doesn't matter. Sorry. You think they are yours? No, they are not. Amen. Start thinking about your house, your house, your house until the tornado comes by. My car, my car, my car until it breaks down. I remember, how many of you remember the car, the new car that you bought in 1950, 1970, 1980, 1990, amen, are they still new, amen, amen, remember the first day you finished paying for it? what was that? <laughs> Yes. This year. And you said, this is now mine. (laughs) But the, the funny thing about it is that it doesn't smell anymore the way it used to smell. (laughs) Amen. Now you buy everything now artificial. To bring back the memories. Amen. You look at the bodies and they've been dinged everywhere. Everything is temporary. And they're passing away. Including you. Everything belongs to God. Amen. Remember when you used to run a hundred yards dash. Chief Rivers? Remember that? Long time ago. All right. You used to be... uh... Anyway, let's leave that alone. (laughs) I know some of you don't know about this, but when you get to your 30s and 40s, 
and 50s and 60s. Then you really begin to realize what the Bible says that this thing that you have on is just a tent. And it's passing away. Amen. You know the word cosmetic? It's from cosmos. Cosmos is from chaos. And cosmetic is to make chaos look a little bit cosmos. <laughs> The principle all belongs to God. All belongs to God. And if you don't live your life as if all belongs to God, you are going to regret it later when you can't give much to God anymore. Remember the Lord in the days of your what? Youth. Amen. <laughs> Some of us want to give God when we can't give no more. He wants it from you when you're able to give it. So what is the other foundation for Christian stewardship? Oh, okay. I, I didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, you've read my notes for today. Okay, okay, that wasn't my major point, so I may have I may have said it. So I'm going I'm going to acknowledge what you said here. What is the other principle? What is the other principle? No, no one can truly be a Christian steward until what? Yes. Okay, now you said so many of them. Which one are you going to take? Until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In other words, God has to be Lord. Amen? The reason why you're here today sitting here looking pretty is because God is your Lord you could have stayed home today. In fact, you probably have stayed home several times before. But today you say, God, you are Lord of my life. I am going to go to church to worship you. I am going to be with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you, to praise you, to adore you because you are the Lord of my life. Or you could have said, God, don't bother me today. Mm. 
There are many times that we don't live our lives as if Jesus is Lord. Lord means your boss. When Jesus says jump, you don't ask any other question. So this is what it is. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus until he is your Lord. And what does the word disciple mean? A learner, a follower. I'm looking for something to give you. A learner, a follower. So if I am a disciple, I have to pick up what? A cross. Okay, too many of you answered that, so. I have to pick up the cross daily and follow him. Pick up the cross. And the Bible says, if you cannot deny yourself, you cannot be his disciple. If you can't pick it up daily, you cannot be his disciple. So let's look at this now. For today. You need to plan your financial future. Okay? I'm going to do it like they do it in the church of God in Christ. And you don't see me do this too many times, but I'm going to do it like they do it in the church of God in Christ today. Okay, now what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor and say to them, Turn to your neighbor, your neighbor, your ne- person sitting next to you. <laughs> and what I want you to do is to tell them you need a financial plan for your future. Amen. Amen. You need a plan. And you are already ahead of everybody else in the world because the world can say, well, I have not heard this. I have not been taught this. But you already have the word of God. And the word of God provides the plan for you. Remember this, that when Noah was building the ark, it was not raining. And they were laughing at him, ridiculing him. Why are you building an ark on dry land? Many of us do our financial future in the way that we think it's never going to rain. So there's no need to to build an ark. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Because we have idiots who serve in our Congress. 
And believe me, there are over 500 of them. They don't know how to add. And they don't know how to subtract. Are you depending on them? Some, some of you that are older are already feeling it. It's amazing you walk all your life. They say, give me this much. I'm going to save it for you. <laughs> give it to me. I'm going to save it for you. Give it to me. I'm going to save it for you. It's in there for you. Guess what? Zero. They've used them. They've stolen everything in the purse. Put them anywhere they want to. I don't care whether they're Democrat, Republican, Independent. They're all idiots. Because if you keep your money the way they keep money in the Congress of the United States, you'll be in trouble. But you don't have to go through that pain because God already told you not to put your treasures on earth. Don't trust in men. Don't trust in horses. Don't trust in this. But put your trust in what? In the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3. 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with what? And do not in your spiritual life, in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If you put God first, if you, if you put God first, God will take care of you. If you put God first and you trust in his word and you make your plans according to his word, he will take care of you. That is his promise. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. So then, if you're going to have a plan, what's the first thing you need to do? Figure out where you are. Amen? That's the first thing every Christian ought to do. In fact, you need to do it every year. Figure out where you are. If you don't know where you are, you won't know where you need to go. Amen? How many of you use GPS? Alright. <laughs> GPS starts from where? Where you are. In fact, there was a time I, I was in Oakland and I was driving and I lost my way. And you can punch it in. I punch it in. And it won't work. And I found out later it's because the GPS said, you driving, idiot. You were supposed to put me in before you started. So it's really important you find out where you are. And where you are in financial language is your net worth. Okay, it's your net worth. Amen. <laughs> Sister Bola, that's really exciting. <laughs> Find
find out what your net worth is. I'm, I ran out of gifts. Okay. How do, how do you determine your net worth? Yes, one person. Two, three. Okay. How do you determine ATN? Okay, that that is a crude way of putting it. Okay. <laughs> okay, because your net worth is not just money. It's what you own minus what you owe. Okay? What you own minus what you owe. If many of us know that, we won't do some of these stupid things we do. Because if you know that you're worth nothing, you won't be going out trying to buy a Ferrari. Okay? It doesn't make any sense. So you got to figure out first where you are. Where am I starting from? What do I own? What is mine? And you do a realistic estimation of what you own. That furniture in your room is not worth $10. <laughs> you may think well I take it to the flea market and I can you know I can get $30 for it I can get $40 for it amen let's see how long it's going to take you it's really interesting when I sit down with uh, people to try and figure out what they own it's amazing what they think the value of what they have that is worth absolutely nothing. A lot of people own cars and they think it's worth something when they're still paying on it. It's not worth anything because it's not yours. You're still paying on it. Your name may be on it, but you miss a payment. <laughs> and you will see right away sometime, you'll be at work, you come out, you're looking for your car, it's gone. So you need to realistically figure out where you are. You sit down to find out what it is. What is my net worth? If you're not worth anything and you have five credit cards, I won't call you any names. Number two, not only finding out where you are now and you find that out and, you know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot to go with that, but, you know, we don't have time for it. Uh, but I do have all those who are new members have in the book, 
two or three, four pages that deal with your budget. Right? It's on there, four pages. Uh, what are your cash flow needs? Your take-home pay, yourself, bonuses, fixed expenses, your uh, moving expenses. What are your cash flow needs? Adjustable expenses, your assets, your and we're going to talk about some of your assets as we go. Okay, but it's really important that as a Christian, you sit down and you figure out what it is that I own and what it is that I owe. Then, you must make up your mind to develop a plan for the future. Five years... 10 years, 15 years, where do I want to be as a child of God? You need to understand that you need a plan because God has a plan for you. Right, Reggie? What does he say about it? All right. God has a plan for you. God is a planning God. Do you know that God planned your salvation? He doesn't leave it to chances. He planned it. And the Bible says just in case... You don't know. He planned it before the foundation of the earth. The death of Jesus was not an afterthought in the mind of God. What's the plan? He has a plan for you and he wants you to plan your life. Your financial, you develop it as a God-approved plan. Amen? If you build your plan for the next five years, for the next ten years, eleven years, fifteen years, and you put it before God, will God say, that is according to my word? If he can't say that, scrap it. It's not a plan. It's not a Christian plan. Hello, lights. It's not a Christian plan if it is not according to the word of God. Let me go into part of setting your financial goals. For the next five, ten years. So, not only do you need to have a plan, but you need to set financial goals. Financial goals, goals are things that you are able to reach and celebrate. Are you with me? Goals are things that you are able to reach and celebrate. So, the first thing is to set goals that are reachable and achievable. Some of your goals may include one, 
paying off your credit cards. Building up an emergency fund. This is always very interesting. Because every Christian ought to have at least three months of your income set aside. Oh, okay. You need to, so if you make $2,000 a a month, you should always have no less than $6,000 in an account that is there for your emergency purposes, just in case you get fired or something. An emergency that is really an emergency. So you need to save up at least three times of your income. Remember that I said at least. That's really important. That is setting a goal. Buying adequate insurance. It's a goal. Amen? Insurance means just in case I need it. Right? Don't don't go cheap. Because when you need it and you don't have money, insurance company don't care. Right? You insure your home and you say your deductible is two hundred thousand. Or you say your deductible is fifty thousand. Or let's take your car for example. You insured your deductible is two thousand. Your deductible is five thousand. Deductible is five hundred, or whatever it is. Now, the higher your deductible, the lower your premium. So some people choose the lower premium for a higher deductible, and then when they have problem. Okay, so you set a goal so that your insurance needs are going to be met in the next 3, 5, 10, 11 years. Setting up a a retirement account. It's really important. There are a lot of people that think that some of the things I'm talking about are the things that should be talked about by financial gurus. That's why so many people in the church are messed up. I know that a lot of people don't even have burial insurance. You don't have you don't have plans. God said you need to plan your future. And then you say, God, where you help me, 
I was there. You ignored me. I told you what you needed to do, but you were so stubborn. What about creating educational funds for your children? I'm not the only one that's hard, huh? I thought it was my sickness or something. Maybe your financial goal is to start your own business, buy a car. Save down payment for a home. Maybe get married. <laughs> and make sure there is a man available. <laughs> and if you don't see one right now, pray for God to send one. <laughs> All right, Janice. Praise the Lord. Maybe you want to take a dream vacation. Yeah, you got to plan it. It doesn't happen. Hey, let's go to Paris. Sorry. You'll be eating tacos and been going dinner every night in Olive Garden here and there. Lobster, whatever they call it. Uh, <laughs> you spend all the money on food. Then you want to go on vacation. No. That's discipline for everything. It's got to be disciplined. You got to discipline yourself. Or even setting up gifts for your church. Too many of us don't even think about the church when we're planning our life. Well, I already gave my tithes. And you know you're lying because you don't tithe. So the first thing you need to do is develop credible monthly and yearly budgets. It's simple addition, subtraction, multiplication. Amen. Amen. Please. The reason why you're in trouble most of the time is because you don't have a budget. Amen. Because the principle of financial management simply says you cannot spend more than you're making. If you cannot afford a new car, 
You will know already in your budget you couldn't afford a new car. Don't do like me when I first bought my first brand new car. Been ages ago. I actually had some, my roommate, Clark McGriff, convinced me I needed a new car. And of course, I listened to him. I said, yeah, I think I need a new car. You going to help me with it? No, but you're a pastor. They'll give it to you. They'll trust you. And we went to the car dealership and they trusted me. And they asked me how much I made and I told them the truth. They still gave me the car. Until I had to start paying on it. It's called, don't go there unless it's in your budget. The Bible is very clear that you must live within your means. Yeah, I know, I know this is not the kind of messages you like to hear. But I, w- I want you to read Proverbs 21 verse 5. Proverbs 21 and verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to what? As surely as haste leads to poverty. It's very clear. Yeah, ace. You just do things, you know. I feel like smoking. Go get a cigarette. Cigarette is not even in your plans from the Lord. Amen. Because number one, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to smoke the Holy Spirit. Amen. The smoke affects your body. And number two, you can't afford it. <laughs> well, you smoke, you're going to see a doctor. <laughs> so give it up. Throw it away. It's a cancer stick. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Don't even, don't read the King James in this. It confuses you. Proverbs 24 verses 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Thank you. We got it. Now, how many of you think it's a good thing to travel from here to Reno? I don't see how much gas you have in the tank. (laughs) 
And then you get in the car. You don't know how much gas you have in there. You just drive going to Reno. And then you get to Sacramento or someplace. Say, oh Lord, why did you put me in this situation? It's amazing. We we do it all the time. You blame God for your stupidity. Lord, how did you get me into this? Number five. Do not underline do not co-sign for anybody. Amen. Don't co-sign for your mom. Don't co-sign for your daughter. Don't co-sign for your son. Don't co-sign for your children. <laughs> Are you still with me? I'm not saying don't borrow money, but you don't be the one who is loaning the money. Amen? Before people come to you to borrow money, they're looking like angels. I'm going to pay you back my next paycheck. Now, your problem is this. You are not thinking. Because if they need that money and they do qualify, there are about 50,000 banks in Marin County. You are not a bank. Don't loan people money because loaning people money make you become enemies. They start to avoid you. <laughs> have deep experiences on that, right? No? Oh, okay. I thought you was just saying, I, I can tell you a, l a little bit about that. No! Don't loan people money. In fact, the Bible said, the borrower is a slave to the lender. And that is why even if you owe a bank, you try to pay it back as soon as possible. Because the things that are going to kill you are the interest rate. Yes. Cosine means you, the person doesn't qualify. Okay? Which means you are going to be held. Now, let me tell you, I'm not basing this on me. Let's look at Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verses 26 and 27. Look, look at it very carefully. Listen very carefully. Do not be a man who strikes hand in what? Pledge. Or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Okay, now, the, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7. 
just ahead of it a little bit. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a servant or slave to the lender. Okay, in other words, no security for anything. You are becoming a security for somebody else's loan. Don't do it. Say, well, they need it. Actually, they don't. Look at Proverbs eleven fifteen. Proverbs eleven fifteen. He who puts up security for another will do what? Surely suffer. But whoever refuses to strike hands in pledge is safe. The Bible is very clear on it. There's no So you should. You remember one time we, as a church we used to loan people money. We've written them all off. I don't know too many church folks who loan money that paid it back. And then after a week or two they stop coming to church. Well, number one, if you do some of the things that we're talking about right now, you, they don't have to borrow money. They don't have to. You as a parent should have the money there for them. The problem is that during their birthdays, we buy them toys that they play with for two hours and they're gone. Instead of putting money in a savings bond for them, we buy junk for them. Okay? Instead of going to Kmart and buying nice shoes, we go to Macy's and buy a ridiculous pair of shoes for $300 that they go and wear only for two months. You know, you put that $300 in saving bonds for them, by the time they grow up, it will be at least $6,000. That is the secret of compound interest. But we don't practice it. I know it's very hard to get people to think of investment. At Village Baptist Church, we have an investment uh, club. I begged and scratched and whatever. We couldn't even get 50 people to join us. And the minimum to get in is $25 a month. And the over 20 something people that are in it already, we have invested over 22,000. Uh, 22, You'll get there, that's correct. It's not how big your money is. It's how consistent you are to build it. The Bible says, little by little, 
money grows. Amen. Many of us think we're going to be millionaires overnight. It ain't going to happen. I don't care how many times you go to Reno. Amen. Most of the time you come back home broke. <laughs> Money grows because you discipline yourself to put aside on a regular basis as little as you're able to afford, as much as you're able to afford, I should say, is what makes you successful. Number six, take care of issues in your life so you can start investing. Okay, take care of issues in your life so you can start investing. It doesn't make any sense for you to start investing when you still owe $5,000 on your credit card. Okay, your credit card is charging you 20%, 18%, and when you invest, all you're getting at the most is 12%. So it's good investment to pay your credit cards off. You're looking at me like, where are you getting that? Which means you have to take care of those things in your life that will allow you to make a plan for the future. The things that are not allowing you to make plans right now, plan with God, let God lead you so you can get rid of them and allow you to plan for the future. Amen. Part of those plans, don't have a baby if you don't have a job. Doesn't make any sense. What's the baby going to eat? A video game? <laughs> the command not to worry about tomorrow is not a command not to plan about tomorrow or plan for tomorrow. Take care of those issues. They're not going to take care of themselves. Amen. They're not going to take care of themselves. They'll be looking at you just like that. And it is not an acceptable thing for a Christian to file for bankruptcy. I don't care what chapter you use. It is not acceptable. The Bible says it's only an evil person that doesn't pay what they owe. Do you want me to quote you a verse? Okay. <laughs> only evil people don't pay what they owe. And if you file for bankruptcy or whatever, sometime you need to pay it off. Amen. I don't care what your lawyer told you. 
if you want to be successful, be reasonable, be content, and have a moderate standard of living. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 5, and I'm getting ready. For those of you that are yawning, I'm getting ready to close. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Do we have it? Okay. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be what? Content. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you. Let me read one more passage and then we'll end it. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Verses 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be what? Content with that. And people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs let us pray